Hi everybody, it's Deanne from hookingrugs.com and I'm here today um, with Create Beauty Every Day, my podcast. And on this podcast, I just interview interesting people. I just take the chance to it, I just take the chance to talk to people who I want I want to talk to. And I hope that that you enjoy our conversations because all these are our conversations. So it's Deanne Fitzpatrick, Create Beauty Every Day, hookingrugs.com. And my guest today is Carol Bishop Gwynn. And Carol is a rug hooker, but mostly Carol is a biographer. And uh, she's uh, written Art and Rivalry, The Marriage of Mary and Christopher Pratt. And she's also written The Pursuit of Perfection, The Life of Celia Franca. And I just want to talk to Carol today about writing and about biography. I loved your book, Carol. Well, thank you very much. Um, it's had a bit of a struggle because of as with everyone with the with the virus you know yeah. um yeah so it hasn't gotten out as 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 well as it could have but uh yeah it was a long time writing this book it's uh uh the marriage of uh mary and christopher pratt and uh it's a very delicate topic but i thought their their work warranted it yeah mm -hmm. tell me how you feel about both their art well, it's it's very chalk and cheese, you know. It's it's mm. extremely different, which I find quite fascinating. Christopher's is so um, um, controlled uh, and um, architectural, and uh, and the palette of a fairly uh, mute palette, you know, of mm -hmm. colors he's in, and Mary's is so bold and uh, colorful and um, let it all hang out sort of thing. Although she's an extremely good formal artist, but she's, yeah. uh, you couldn't really see, see what her soul through her work, I think much more, much more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you, have you been a biographer? You, you've been a writer all your life. You? Yes. Um, I, I've, uh, well, I've had the problem of being and then an academic and so I got myself really caught up and when I started to try and write biography <clears throat> I had the <clears throat> combination of uh, journalistic sort of intuitions but uh, sort of strapped by academic uh, rigorousness and and having to you know, uh, be very careful with my words yes yeah. Sometimes, and, your sound, uh, so, sometimes your sound is going, it goes funny. So okay. I, yeah, just, just, uh, maybe, maybe if you don't, if maybe if you don't move so much and just stay close to your mic. Okay. Is, All that, right. better? So, is, is that better? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll just, I, I tend to gesticulate a lot. So there That's we go. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. You, you had the instincts of a journalist, but you were late. Well, then I was sort of had that academic rigor. So, uh, um, the first draft of my first book, my my um, my husband, uh, who is uh, a, a wonderful, brilliant biographer himself, he said this was, you know, I won't use the word, but he said this is terrible because it was so uptight and I didn't have any myself in it. As it is, I don't put myself in it particularly, but I had to loosen up again, you know, so yeah. uh, make it less academic because there are a lot of biographies especially British biographies and they're wonderful biographies by her Hermione Lee and uh, that are very, very dense and um, have a lot of uh, uh, detail and they don't tell a story and to have a good biography, 
and the biographers that you're going to try and turn, you know, the, the page turners. It has to be a combination of very accurate, uh, but also telling a story. So I have to learn how to tell a story. And, yeah. um, and I think that's what makes the difference. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it is, isn't it? It's, you gotta, you gotta want to turn that page. You can't just have a bunch and of then, and then, and then, and facts and facts and facts and facts. So, you know, you get these really big fat, uh, British contemporary biographies and they're, um, they're wonderful if you're interested in that person, but it's totally detail oriented mm -hmm. and I've learned to do story oriented, but not, um, historical fiction story. I'm, um, as it, as now I've been only doing biography. Um, I've got a book that I've just started to noodle away on and it may become historical fiction mm -hmm. because I have a lot of details. It's a 19th century woman, an artist, uh, a Canadian artist who, um, I was very involved with uh, the Robbie Ross family and uh, Oscar Wilde and was okay. quite a well-known, uh, not well-known, she, but she was a very uh, prolific artist, but has sort of faded into the woodwork. But the story is so interesting. Oh. But in this book, I don't have all the details. So what do I do? Surmise? Or do I call it historical fiction and and... That that's clearly you make up some of the make up material. Yeah, yeah. It's it's when you lean in that the sound goes bad. Okay, I'm sorry. No, okay. don't be sorry. I just I just wanna I just wanted to I want everybody to hear hear what you're saying because it is interesting. It really is. So, what made you decide to write the book about the Pratt? Uh, the Pratts, and what made you decide to focus on marriage as opposed to a story about them as two artists? Well, as I say, and I think it's the back of the book, I think it's in the epilogue, uh, I had a, a unique situation in the fact that um, my husband, uh, Richard Gwynne, uh, and his late wife, Sandra Gwynne, were friends of the Pratts, and they were almost... Um, totally similar in age and experience, you know, uh, to, to a couple, one creative couple doing uh, visual art and one creative couple doing writing. And um, unfortunately, um, Sandra uh, Gwynne died in 2000. Um, and um, I accompanied Richard to um, Newfoundland uh, and I think it was in 2002, uh, just to, for, to see, you know, he's taking me on a trip to see Newfoundland. And we ran, we ran, a, we visited both Mary and Christopher. And I found it really intriguing. I was a fly on the wall and it was a very delicate situation. But she lived in St. John's and he lived in their uh, original place that they'd raised their family in Salmonier. And they were married, um, but I found it very confusing. And I discovered that many, many people found that very confusing because they um, basically kept up um, a rather odd, um, not pretense, I don't know what the word was, sort of that they were still uh, a married couple. And, and they were, but um, 
it just very much interested me. And then as I got to know both of them better, because we'd visit every, every year, and um, I became more of a person on my own uh, to both of them, um, I thought, how interesting. And then eventually I said to both of them, after I did my Celia Franca book, uh, and I gave my Celia Franca book to both of them, uh, because I wanted them to see the kind of style I had, which is pretty warts and all, but not, but not salacious in any way. But, you know, I, I, I call the truth. Mm -hmm. And they both read the book and they said, um, uh, they, didn't, they didn't say, it, oh, you know, please write our biography. It wasn't an authorized biography, but they knew I was going to write it and they let me talk to them. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And they were both pretty frank. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it took a long, it took quite a while. That book took a long time to write. The Franca book uh, took only two, three years, but for many reasons, including personal reasons, um, the Pratt book took me about eight years to write. Mm -hmm. There was a lot things. of honesty in that book. I hope so. I hope so. But, you know, um, it seemed if, if this is, if this is what they told you, it seemed to me that this is just, they were very frank. They were, they were frank, but they were very, they were, they were emotionally, I believe, very, um, what's the word? They really didn't want to take the plunges that they had to take to continue on with their lives. And I totally understand that, you know, mm -hmm. Mary was, a, and I'm reading a wonderful book right now uh, about um, marriages uh, of artists in the 1940s and 1950s it's called um ninth street ugh, artists or i can't remember the name and it's about the abstract expressionist couples such as um well various couples and the same same issues that they had uh, mary was a 1950s wife and she was very traditional i mean she had the trousseau she had the best her father was in the government and uh in in um New Brunswick, and she had the premier at her wedding, and they had beautiful um, bridal showers. They did the whole nine yards, uh, and she just she really wanted to be married, but she really wanted to be an artist as well. Mm -hmm. And um, she sort of pretended a lot, or she sort of, you know, Christopher clearly was not as into any of it. I mean, he came to the wedding the day before the wedding. Her father had to go with her to get the marriage certificate. And um, you could just tell that he was, he was a wonderful father. He was a wonderful father. They had four children and all four children speak well of both their parents. He was, uh, because he was a sort of stay at home dad in the way that he had his studio in the, um, you know, in, in the household, he was able to pick the kids up. He was the only driver in the family. Mary didn't drive. So he was able to pick the kids up uh, from events. Uh, they lived about an hour away from St. John's. He drove the kids in for their medical appointments. Um, uh, he played hockey, cleared the pond off and played hockey with the boys. Um, so he was, um, he, but he was a traditional husband and the fact that, you know, he pushed himself away from the table and, you know, and go and watch the news and that type of thing, which, you know, just gets my blood riled thinking of it. But that was the way it was. I mean, and, yeah. yeah, 
yeah, yeah. Make judgments about a time I thought. oh no no it was no. the conventions of the mm -hmm. time and and, and yeah. everyone expected and they had their roles uh but when and mary was somewhat resentful uh, of the fact that Christopher was becoming famous and she was at home with four children. Uh, but that's the role she'd chosen. I mean, she, she had four children, you know, in a row uh, within about seven years. So she thought she could have it all. She said that she thought she could have it all. And she did because she, she eventually uh, was able when the children, you know, grew up yeah. as, as, as is the want, um, she was able to dedicate herself to being an artist, but by then the marriage had sort of utterly crumbled. And um, so in a way, I think that the fact of Christopher's um, situation with, uh, with his model Donna was a big impetus in making Mary Pratt uh, not only a wonderful artist, but a very angry artist. Mm -hmm. And um, some of her paintings uh, really show that painfully you know i mean she did beautiful flowers and and um i mean wonderful things i mean i didn't talk about that i don't think in the book but she had she had these real royal dalton figurines remember royal dalton figurines mm -hmm. they were they yeah. were made in britain and they were beautiful ladies and gowns now you can't give them away you know no one wants them but at, but at the time they were very very popular and very elegant and, and refined and she put three in a glass bowl and painted them you know how wonderful is that um yeah. I, I don't know why i never mentioned that in it because it was that sort of archetypal you know she said she was just dusting and she threw them in the bowl or something and then looked at them but the thing with mary pratt was that she every and now she's made me a wee bit like that i mean not that i could ever do art but every little mundane thing that you see around you and you do that you're you're a you're a, a truly creative uh, artist it's just in your blood uh and i think without speaking of, um, but oh no that's true and and so i think you see visually you know mm -hmm. and um I find that interesting because the other woman I wrote about, Celia Franca, was the yeah. founder was the founder of the National Ballet of Canada, and dancers think movement, mm -hmm. and that's how that's how they think, you know. And it's a very different method of thinking. And I, as a writer, I think words. Right. I, I think through words. But uh, Mary uh, very much thought everything was a possible picture for her or a, a possible image for mm -hmm. her and she would take them on her camera uh af after you know the beginning she was a photorealist because christopher uh took the photographs but uh, later on she took her own photographs and she just snapped something and then um uh, she would um make it into a piece of art yeah different yeah. to you different to you because you use it as an inspiration and she she um took them and um, reproduced them, mm -hmm. which she at th one point thought was really cheating till, but she was out there in the middle of the wilderness and didn't realize that there was this whole photorealism um, genre going on. And Jack Chambers was doing it in Ontario and there were people doing it in, um, in the United States. And it was just, you know, with photography, it was a different way of using photography by then capturing it in oil. I, I love what she did and I I love Christopher's work too I, I agree with you they're very different 
both work I love. And I'll tell you, your book gave me so much compassion for both of them. And I, I, you know, to, to, to their lives as artists and, and as human beings, I, I really felt a lot of compassion for both of them from that book. I think you're one of the people who, uh, in another conversation we had, I think you nailed it better than, well, you nailed it exactly as I, as I always felt. And it was a terrible situation where Christopher is a decent, decent man, but he just no longer wanted to be married to Mary. And Mary just wasn't going to have it. So she prolonged, they both prolonged, you know, they were emotionally... Um, cowards, I think, uh, until the point where Mary, uh, who did not want to look like she'd been left for a younger woman, uh, met someone and was able to, was able, she met a, in the most unbelievable of circumstances, you know, this very learned art historian uh, ends up in in Trapassi, Newfoundland, and wow. and comes to find her, and um, and sweeps her off his uh, her feet because he she he was everything that Christopher wasn't, and it was a real, um, what do you call those uh, fall romances or whatever? You know, they were both in their like 60s, 70s, and and it for 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 a short time it worked. I mean, it it, it clearly couldn't. Um, James Rosen was so different to uh, to Mary and Christopher, but in a way, it was a thumb. It was a thumb, sort of, to Christopher. Look who I've got! This guy who's Jewish and New York and studied with all these abstract expressionist uh, expressionist painters and and knew all the you know New York school painters in the fifties and sixties. And and Christopher just never wanted, never leaves. Newfoundland uh, rarely has never been to continental Europe. Doesn't particularly like going to museums. Um, he's he's learned. He you know he he knows his art and he knows his art history, but he's not the least bit curious about exploring the world. Mm -hmm. What what makes you curious about exploring other people's lives? I guess I'm a nosy Parker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, and you know, I mean, members. But a lot of, of us want to know. Yeah, yeah. I. Just, a lot I, of us want to know, but a lot of us don't want to write about it. Well, um, you know, it. It's very delicate in the way that yes, it, you can't be like psychoanalyzing because I'm not a you know, but you can, you can. I think the best biographers are people who have some kind of for want of a better word, bit of emotional intelligence and can sort of step back, you know, from the, uh, from the straight story and sort of think about why they might have behaved as they did. You mm -hmm. could be completely wrong. I mean, you know, it's, uh, but I think if you've done enough of research and you've talked to, you've talked to enough of the people who knew them, um, then, then um, you can make, a sort of a theme, uh, and it's usually, I would say, probably somewhere in the ballpark of being correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What what um, what kind of response did you expect from the book? Well, you know, I had a I had a very uh, unusual um, 
sort of experience that the first book I ever wrote uh, just hit, hit just for some fluke. Uh, it was nominated for the governor generals. It was nominated for the shortlisted for the Charles Taylor. It was this and that. And um, I was just sort of like completely catatonic about, I mean, oh my God, you know, I did, I didn't expect it. I, in all the hats I wear, one is a dance historian. I, I mm -hmm. have, um, I have a lot of background in dance history and Canadian dance history. And this was a book about a Canadian, the founder of the National Ballet of Canada it was right up my alley. And I just really loved writing it, but I didn't really think about the, about the consequences of it. And so yeah. that when it was so successful, um, it kind of put me on edge about about Mary and Christopher. Now, Mary and Christopher, the book has been done very, very well with reviews, but um, it's a kind of a much more of a niche book. And I think when people actually get a copy of it, they do like it. But it's getting it's getting the word out for people uh, to to read it. So it's um, it's uh, a quiet book. And then pandemic, uh, it's even a quieter book, but I think it's a fairly enduring book for a while. And of course, right now there's all kinds of um, books coming out about unknown women artists, you know, and mm. it's just all of, so I was sort of a little bit on the cusp of that, writing about Mary and her resentments and all that, but a lot of women are coming out. We always knew about them, but they're, mm -hmm. they're coming out as books and they're fascinating. Uh, just sort of putting a, giving them their their place in history the women artists well thank you for writing it and thanks for talking to me today i'm well, really glad you. that you did we had a few blips but i think everybody can get the gist of the interview with the with the sound and uh, i just wish you well with your next book well thank you and i also have been attending all your um online uh, cooking yes and i've learned a lot in fact my website my website which is quite inactive but the uh, the sort of the template the picture on the top is is a hooked rug that oh, i did oh that's great <laughs> yeah which is kind of an interesting one because it's um it's it's a long banner um i copied um i took photographs of a stained glass window in a roman catholic church in barbados and then i i i, I did it as a triptych and so i chose it and okay. i said that yeah, as I'm a, a writer, but what I'd like to be is a hooker. <laughs> well, don't we all want to be a little of something else? That's tell true. me, tell me what your website is, and tell everybody what your website is. Well, I'm not. I, th I think it's just www.carolbishopgwin. I'm not quite sure, but if you just put Carol Bishop Gwyn, Carol Bishop Gwyn, you'll show up. And It'll show up. Who published your book? Uh, my book was published by Pen uh, by Knopf Canada. And it's a it's available. Uh, you know, if, if Amazon, Book City, or uh, uh, Coles probably okay, and great. Yeah, yeah. All right, great. So this is Deanne Fitzpatrick. This is Deanne Fitzpatrick and you're Carol Gwynn. And we just had a chat and the podcast is Create Beauty Every Day and it's brought to you by hookingrugs.com. Thank you very much, Carol. Thank you, Diane. See you. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. You show it's off now? No, not yet. I'm going to stop. Anything else you want to say? No, we're good? Okay. Take care. Thank you.